The Atlanta Journal-Constitution is taking Georgia political coverage to the next level. Now, Georgia's smartest political team is adding Hall of Fame political broadcaster Bill Nygut. I am beyond thrilled to be joining the remarkable political team at the AJC. And with the year that we have unfolding in politics, it's going to be an exciting ride. Read Bill Nygut's expert insight on AJC.com and listen to the Politically Georgia podcast with me, Greg Bluestein, And me, Patricia Murphy. And me, Tia Mitchell. Hear new episodes every weekday. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song. The celebration. The Atlanta Journal Constitution presents. Hip hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants a rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip hop. You're listening to Breakdown, an exclusive podcast of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. For more information, including photos, court records, and video, go to AJC.com news breakdown. Also, please join our Breakdown Facebook group to meet our reporters and ask questions about our story. Previously on Breakdown. Everything's got to be done right. I know. I, 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 okay. I, I want it done right. <laughs> I got you. So. This doesn't look good. I mean, it's just shot me. Last thing I've, last thing I've ever done, I want to do in my life. I trust me, can truly I'm understand that. Playing with my kid, and next thing you know, this. So the guy, I mean, he's looking dead at us. You know, I mean, he's like me to you. And he turns and he runs. Travis gets out with the damn shotgun. And runs up there, and you know, I said, Travis, don't, don't shoot, don't do anything. The guy turns and comes at him, and they start wrestling, and Travis shoots him around the damn chest. I mean, if the guy would have stopped, you know, I mean, find out what was going on, he obviously was up to I mean, this would have never happened. Um, you know, should we have been chasing him? I don't know. Ahmad Arbery could make you laugh. He could impress you with his athleticism and his never-quit attitude. He could touch you with his sweetness. Ahmad also was sometimes tortured and brooding. He called it being in a dark place. Mental illness can immobilize many people who suffer from it. Not Ahmad. He developed his own treatment. He ran. And ran. And ran. Welcome back to Breakdown. Just to let you know, we're dropping this episode on the first anniversary of Ahmad Aubrey's death. I'm Bill Rankin, legal affairs reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. It's good to be back. And as always, I'm joined by my colleague, Asia Burns. Like the rest of us, Ahmad made mistakes. And as with the rest of us, some of his mistakes were not terribly bright. Like the time he tried to carry a 65-inch TV out of a Brunswick Walmart without paying for it. Those mistakes set him back, but they didn't define him. In many ways, at the age of 25, his story was just beginning to unfold. All in all, the first chapters of that story were pretty amazing. He was a jokester with an infectious smile. 
He was a loving uncle who enjoyed babysitting his brother's two young children. He was the overachieving, inspirational teammate on the football field. He was the friend or relative who boosted your spirits when you were down. Ahmad also suffered from schizoaffective disorder, according to court records. That illness varies from person to person, but it can lead to impulsive behavior, mood swings, and delusions. None of this means Ahmad was committing a crime on the day he died. It's just who he was. And as I said, Ahmad apparently self-treated his illness by doing what he was doing the day he died, going out for a run. Friends and family members routinely saw Ahmad jogging along the roadways of Brunswick. So I used to get on him out running in the heat, but, you know, if he wanted to run, I let him run. That's Ahmad's mother, Wanda Cooper-Jones, who spoke to us at length about her late son. She and other family members and friends helped us build this portrait of Ahmad Marquez Arbery, who was shot to death on February 23, 2020. He was only 25. Three white men have been charged with murder in the shooting and are awaiting trial. Ahmad had an older brother and an older sister. His mother, Wanda, and his father, Marcus Arbery, are no longer together. Wanda is an insurance claims adjuster. Marcus Sr. has worked as a truck driver. Growing up, Ahmad was a big sports fan. LeBron James was his favorite basketball player, and Ahmad knew his stats by heart. At Brunswick High School, Ahmad played football. A growth spurt between his freshman and sophomore years helped a lot. He played linebackers for the Pirates, wearing number 21. That was the same number worn by another of Ahmad's heroes, Sean Taylor, the former University of Miami All-American and Washington Redskins star safety. Taylor, it should be noted, also died too young. He was shot and killed during a robbery at his Miami home in 2007. He was just 24. The Brunswick High Pirates had three players who would eventually play for the NFL. One of them was Justin Coleman, who now plays cornerback for the Detroit Lions. Ahmad was a good friend of one of Coleman's younger brothers. At a press conference after Ahmad's killing, Coleman remembered his friend. You know, he was always, you know, uh, a funny person in general. Like, he was like a comedian. And, you know, everything he said to me was like, made me crack and laugh or whatever, you know. So, I don't know. He was just always in, in a workout sense. He did, he wasn't so positive. But when it came to, when it came to, you know, just life and handling situations, he was always a positive person. And, you know, he always smiled. And, you know, um, I don't know. I could just remember, <laughs> I could just remember on the football field one time where he had to, I guess he had to like tackle someone and he came back on the sideline and was like, he just was like, man, that's a grown man out there. Like, <laughs> it just made me laugh, like in the midst of us losing the game. It, I don't know. It just, and then I just thought he always found a way to make somebody laugh. And that was the great characteristic about him. About that workout regimen, Coleman found some irony in the movement that now bears Ahmad's name. It's funny because um, you know how they have I run with mod and you know they have a hashtag and all that. But the funny thing is when he was like when I was going to school with him, he would actually you know run run from a workout like he did not want to work out. <laughs> and so 
I mean, like, if anybody knew him, they would know he didn't want to work out, you know, in the weight room. But, you know, he sometimes he did what he had to do. But it was like, oh, my gosh, like, why I got to do this? After high school, Ahmad changed, Coleman said. You know, he kind of veered away from, uh, I guess you could say he kind of lost himself or something or I, I just remember Ahmad saying something like he he not sure what his, his purpose of his life was, but I was just thinking in my head like, dang, like, I mean, your purpose basically, you know what I'm saying, was like to start this movement, like try to change the world because it's like now, you know, you your life does have a purpose. Your name has been, you know, continue, continuously th- talked about every single day now. Ahmad and his sister Jasmine were close. Here she is on a Facebook Live broadcast months after Ahmad was killed. Ahmad Aubrey was my younger brother. Um, talking about him is like taking a breath, uh, breath of fresh air because uh, if you notice, I'm smiling right now. I like talking to him. Um, non-judgmental. He respected everyone. Uh, we were really close. Um, we're actually one year apart, and our birthdays are really close also. Mine is April 28th, and his is May 8th. So that meant we had a lot of celebrations that were shared together. I'm still shocked. It's, this is a lot to process in. I still can't believe it, still numb to the, the incident. Um, uh, it's, like, it's like living in a different world because I haven't had my sense of normalcy in a long time right now since February 23rd. And it seems so far away, but I know in this journey of trying to find this unique place of, you know, normal again, it's going to be different because Ahmad was the person who encouraged me to reach my goals, um, who helped me through crisis, um, also who just shaped me to be who I am right now. So without him being physically here, it's going to be different. Jasmine appeared on national television in the weeks after her brother's killing. She explains why. I look at it as I was his older sister, and I feel like I'm his protector. I've always been his protector. <laughs> and I want his voice to shine through me. We spoke to Ahmad and Jasmine's mother, Wanda, via Zoom. I have to say, I was struck by both her poise and her forthrightness while speaking about the loss of her son. Her candor made her pain very evident, but that pain didn't disrupt or detract from her calm demeanor. And she spoke about Ahmad's life with neither pretense nor shame, going as far as to say this. Ahmad's life is an open book. I mean, Ahmad wasn't the model child, but at the same time, Ahmad was, Ahmad was my child. And um, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not ashamed to, to speak of anything about Ahmad. Wanda said she learned about Ahmad's death after returning to Georgia from a business trip to Dallas. After flying into Atlanta, she stopped at her mother's house outside of Augusta before driving home to Brunswick. I received a phone call on that Sunday afternoon about 6.30 um, from a, um, an investigator who identified himself as being part of the um, Glen County Police Department. Um, he told me he was at my front door. I explained I wasn't at home. And um, he told me that he had some, um, he wanted to share something with me, but he didn't want, he hated to share that with me over the phone. And he went on to say that Ahmad was involved in a burglary. Um, In the midst of the burglary, um, there was a confrontation between him and the homeowner. And unfortunately, um, Ahmad was shot and killed. 
I remember I was laying back on the couch and I just, uh, my mom was sitting right next to me in her recliner and I kind of got up and put my feet on the floor and I looked at my mom and I said, I told her, we call him Mark Quez. I said, Quez has been killed. And I just was in a numb state. It's a, it's a feeling I think I've never felt before, a feeling that I would never want to feel again. The loss of her son has left a tremendous void. I think I've been in a numb state um, ever since it happened. But I can say over the last couple of weeks, I'm getting, I'm, I'm gradually coming out of the numb state where I'm, I'm realizing what actually happened. Um, what happened and and I'm all, it's, it's not a dream that it's not, he's never gonna come back, not next week, not next month, not next year. I'm just finally getting that reality check. Wanda said her son grew to be all boy with a love of sports and video games. And he had quite a sense of humor, she said. He liked to tell jokes. Some was funny, some wasn't so funny, but he thought he was funny all the time. He was the I love you. If he, if he was leaving the house and I was leaving the house, I mean, uh, he wasn't afraid to, to show his mother some affection. His older brother looked at the, the, the things that Lamar used to do with me and just say, you know, but um, he, was, he wasn't afraid to, to, to show love. Amar was kind. I say this all the time because he really was kind. Um, he, was, he was humble. So um, um, I'm not saying this because he, I'm his mother, but I think, I think I did a good job in raising him. He was real manable. He was to please and thank you. Um, I'm sorry. He was that type of guy. In high school, Ahmad worked at the Blue Beacon Truck Wash. In an interview with the AJC, Jerry Wilson, the manager, said he was impressed with Ahmad. He found him to be a bright, friendly teenager who was quick with a smile. After graduating in 2012, Ahmad decided to pursue a career as an electrician. He enrolled at South Georgia Technical College, but dropped out the following spring. He returned home and worked various jobs, like one at a local McDonald's. Wanda said she started noticing changes in Ahmad's mood. I noticed that um, he had lost some motivation. He had went over to live with his father um, for about, I said, three months. And um, in the midst of that stay with his father, he had stopped working. Ahmad was working. Ahmad had um, began to be, he was, he had became unemployed, which was not like Ahmad at 23 years old. Ahmad was a worker, had been working since high school. And I became very concerned um, and also concerned that he had gotten some trouble and he was on probation. So I knew he, that's one of the conditions of um, being on probation that you must have a job. So um, I reached out to this probation officer and I asked her because he wasn't, he wasn't covered under any, he wasn't covered under any, any insurance. So I reached out to her and I asked her, could you please help me in getting him evaluated because something was going on with him. So she agreed. Wanda's suspicions turned out to be correct. And they told me that he, he had schizophrenia. And um, um, he had began running then. And then, and, and then I had spoke to um, my family physician and she said, hey, you know, that's, that's a way of, of therapy. So if he's running, he's, he's running every day. That's the way that he's actually, you know, that's it's confidence. As for what happened February 23rd, 2020, Wanda said it had to be pretty clear to anyone that Ahmad hadn't taken anything out of that house. 
He was only wearing running shorts and a T-shirt. I have three older brothers who are, injured, who are um, electricians. He, he would sometime come um, and work with my brothers. So I'm not sure what, it, what a mom's attentions was when he went into the house, whether he went in to get a drink of water, whether he went in to take a break, whether he was looking around at the wiring. I'm not sure, but I can say for sure I knew he was not in there to take anything. Well, you know, I often think that um, if they didn't kill him, he was going to go to jail for lots of cases of burglary. Then I would have had to figure that out. But they was going to take him to jail for doing something and he hadn't done anything. As you'll remember, Roddy Bryan took a cell phone video of Ahmad shooting. Wanda said that as bad as that video is, she's glad it came out. It helped authorities finally charge Roddy Bryan and Travis and Greg McMichael, she said. It, it, it makes me feel a little better. I mean, it still hurts that I lost Ahmad, but knowing that Ahmad was, you know, maybe possibly involved in change, um, this tells me that he didn't, he didn't lose his life in vain. Um, and I mean, I'm thankful, I'm grateful that, that, that you know, the hate crimes bill was passed and um, and Ahmad was, you know, kind of, kind of like initiated it to be reviewed. Um, the city of Brunswick has been has has come together um, in the beginning. They did marches, they protest um, The support overall has been great. Um, it's, it's given us strength. Um, in the beginning, it was it was very dark, but with the support, you know, we we have some light now that that better days will come, and we just have to keep have to keep pushing. Wanda said she wants to see the McMichaels and Brian punished for what they did. People ask me that all the time, what justice looks like. Um, and I often think, well, what does happy look like? You know, um, I mean, I lost them on and it's, it's in, and I lost them very in a senseless manner. And if these guys go to jail for the rest of their lives, they still won't bring them on back. You know, but it just would, would be having them to go to jail forever. Ahmad was killed. He was killed. I mean, in a very senseless manner. And after they killed him, they lied about it. They tried to cover it up. I mean, they didn't value, they didn't respect Ahmad's life. They they didn't respect his life at all. And it, it was very painful. You know, he had, he had his challenges, but we all have challenges. But he just, he didn't deserve to die like that. Wanda holds memories of Ahmad close to her. In the midst of his challenges, Ahmad had two nephews. They were one and two. Ahmad would spend a tremendous amount of time with those boys. I mean, and he cared for those boys like they were his own in the midst of his challenges. So that tells me right there that his heart was good. His heart, his heart was very good. And he loved. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. Because the defense lawyers representing the McMichaels and Bryan are trying to get Ahmad's prior run-ins with the law into evidence at trial, let's review some of them. 
Again, this does not mean Ahmad was committing a crime the day he was killed. It means he had prior troubles with the law. A year after Ahmad had graduated from high school in December 2014, a school resource officer spotted a handgun in Ahmad's waistband as he was about to enter the gym to watch a basketball game. Ahmad tried to flee, but police chased him down. They found his 38 caliber semi-automatic handgun in front of the gym. For carrying the firearm on a school campus, Ahmad was sentenced to five years on probation as a first offender. Five years later, in 2018, he was arrested in the parking lot of a Walmart in Brunswick. He was with three others who were under 18 years old. Ahmad would later plead guilty to a shoplifting charge for trying to steal a 65-inch TV. Ahmad returned to work at Blue Beacon in 2017. He wasn't the same. He seemed depressed and out of concern. The manager, Wilson, said he tried talking to Ahmad. Ahmad would always say, I'm okay. I'm just in a dark place. Ahmad was still working at Blue Beacon on November 7th, 2017. What happened that day is alarming. We're relying on a Glenn County Police incident report and a body cam video obtained under the Georgia Open Records Act. It's an off day for Ahmad, and he's minding his own business. He's sitting alone in his 2001 gold Toyota Camry with tenant windows next to some railroad tracks in Brunswick's Townsend Park. It's a sunny day, about 9 o'clock in the morning. Ahmad's parked his car in the grass, and he's wearing an unzipped winter jacket but with no shirt. He has a green Air Jordan baseball cap on his head and black sweatpants with white stripes riding low over bright red boxers. We see Glen County Police Officer Michael Canego drive up behind Ahmad's car. It's his body cam video we're watching. Ahmad has already gotten out of his car before Canego approaches him. Ahmad stretches, spreading his arms out wide. What's going on, man? What's your name? What is it? Ahmad? What's you doing out here, man? What's up? You off work today? Just wrap it, wrap it in the park. Gotcha. You got an ID on you, man? Okay, Canego says. You got ID on you? It was a request for sure, but it's a request from a police officer with a holstered sidearm. As a rule, there is no authority for a cop to demand ID from someone not suspected of breaking the law. There appears to be no one even near Ahmad at this time. He had just been sitting in his car listening to music. But Ahmad complies. He walks back to his car, reaches inside, and gets his wallet. He then hands it to Canego, who takes out Ahmad's license and hands back the wallet. Oh, thanks, man. Grab it with you, okay? Canego then walks back to his patrol car and calls in Ahmad's driver's license number. You can hear the dispatcher say he has a suspended license. After about 90 seconds pass, Ahmad grows impatient, and things get heated quickly. Yeah, give me a second, man. Well, am I fing with you? You want to know why I'm fing with you? Keep your hand in your pocket. I ain't got shit on me. What the fuck you fing with me for? I'll tell you why I'm here, man. I'll tell you why I'm here. Because this area is known for drug activity. Known for drug activity? Okay. But there's no activity here to speak of. And Ahmad is often talking with both arms completely outstretched, as if pleading with the officer to just leave him alone. He tells Canego he works at the Blue Beacon, and he continues to drop F-bombs along the way. And that doesn't help matters one bit. At one point, Ahmad, now truly upset, steps towards Canego. 
Kanigo tells Amon to take a step back, which he does. Kanigo then asks dispatch to send another patrol car to the scene. Turn around, put your hands on the car. Wow. Turn around, put your hands on the car. Turn around, put your hands on the car. I'm checking for weapons. I'm checking for weapons. Ahmad complies. He turns around and raises his hands. You got a reason to touch me, bro. I'm not searching you. I'm checking you for weapons. All right, man. You don't have any warrants. Kanigo frisks him and finds nothing. And Ahmad keeps asking Kanigo why he's bothering him. I know, but you're coming up on me. You're making I'm me kind of nervous. Summer, okay. You bother me for nothing. I work at Blue Beacon, bro. Where's Blue Beacon? Blue Beacon is on exit 29, man. Okay. Listen, man, I'm not, about? I'm not here to ruin your day. I'm here to look for any kind of criminal activity. That's all I'm criminal doing. Criminal activity? I'm in a fucking park. I work. The fuck is you talking about? I fucking work. Check my okay. damn history. Go to my job. Okay. Shit, call my job right now. I go I to work. I to call your job, man. Shit, what the fuck you talking about? When Kanego starts walking up to the passenger side of the vehicle, Ahmad walks up and tells Kanego to stay out of his car. Kanego is apparently surprised Ahmad is now close to him. He shoves him back. Go on my, don't go on my motherfucking car, I'm bro. not going in your car. Don't back go. up! Bro, don't touch me, bro. You can't touch Listen. me, bro. Don't touch my car and don't touch me. I'm not touching your car. Don't touch I'm me, I'm looking bro. inside of your car. Don't touch me. You can't look inside my shit enough. Yeah, I'm 10-4. Send me another unit. You can't touch me, bro. Straight up. I'm not touching you. Okay. Kanego again asks dispatch to call in another patrol car. He says this about Ahmad. Just, uh, very angry. I guess I'd be pretty ticked off too if I had just been relaxing on my day off. Listen, ma'am. What are you doing out here? You just chilling? I'm chilling, bro. I'm rapping. I'm rapping in the car. Okay. To instrumentals. Okay. That's fine. I'm just trying to figure out what's going on here. I get that you're working. What else you want from me? We can now see a second police cruiser drive up behind Ahmad. I'm just trying to figure out what's going on out here, man. I'm working, rapping, I rap. Okay. Damn, what the hell is you talking about? I know, you're just, you're just acting very, you're, you're jumping around, getting a little bit nervous on me. Officer David Haney gets out of his car and walks up. Kanego says he sees something plastic inside Ahmad's car, whatever that means. Ahmad walks to the side of his car, spreads out his arms once again, almost in a pleading manner. He then starts walking to his car door and tells Kanego he doesn't have permission to search his car. His right hand settles on his pants pocket. It doesn't look like he's reaching into his pocket, but Haney is on Ahmad's left side, so he doesn't have a clear view. Can't go in my seat. I'm not asking you. It, Just don't reach the car, man. Get your hand out of your pocket. Hands out of your pocket. Ahmad immediately complies and once again spreads his arms out wide. Just as he does so, Haney pulls the trigger. Down! Warning, down! Stay on the ground. Just stay on the ground, okay? Keep your hands out. No, keep I've your checked, hands I've already checked for weapons. I've checked him for weapons. Okay. We need to be clear that Haney pulled the trigger on his taser after Ahmad had spread his arms wide. And there was nothing in his hands. There's a look of astonishment on his face. Only after Kanego tells Haney he'd already checked Ahmad for weapons does Haney back away, lowering his taser. Ahmad is so lucky that Haney's taser malfunctioned. You can hear it clicking, but the electric current doesn't come out. He's now on his knees on the ground. Listen, man. I'm not here to mess with you, okay? I've been cool with you the entire time. You get out of the car, you come up on me, okay? I get that, man, and I'm just here to make sure everything's okay. I don't know you. 
you don't know me, all right? Ahmad, still on his knees, looks at the second officer and then the first with a pleading look on his face. I got you, man, but when you run up on me and you get really jerp, jumpy, that's going to make me nervous, too. Aggravate my day. I got one day off a week. One day. Okay. One day off a week. I'm trying to chill on my day off, bro. I'm up I got early you. in the morning trying to chill. I see, and I get that. I want I get one to chill, too. But we get a lot of bad stuff that happens out here. We get gang and drug activity. We get all kinds of stuff out my here. tied up in any of that? No, it is not. But when you get up and start acting, when you get up and start getting all crazy on me, it gets me, it makes me a little bit nervous. You know what I mean? I'm not here to mess with your day, man. I am not here to fuck with you. I'm not here to fuck up your day. I am here to make sure everything's cool. But when you start getting jumpy, it makes me kind of nervous, thinking maybe there's something else going on here. Okay? I don't have anything, bro. I don't have anything. I'm just so aggravated because I work hard six days a week. I'm aggravated, bro. No, I gotcha. Ahmad then notes that he wasn't even driving his car. He was just sitting there. I know. I'm investigating suspicious activity, not doing a traffic stop. Okay? So in the park chilling, that, that's a uh, crime. Well, when it's way back here. I know, man. It's just kind of weird. We don't see cars sitting out here that often. That's all that is, man. Okay? Okay. Now I'm on my knees for nothing. I'm on my day off. Here's your ID back, man. Okay? I'm not here to mess with you. Like I said, I'm just here to make sure that people are doing their supposed to. If you're just chilling, that's fine. Okay? I'm not letting you chill, okay? I'm going to get out of your hair. Just want to make sure that everything was cool here. I'm cool. I'm chilling. I'm not, got, nobody's not coming here. I'm chilling. It's only okay, man. one man. I got you, man. But you get, you get what happened here. I got you. I'm not here to mess with you today, okay? I got you. You're good to go. I'm going to talk to my partner over here, all right? If you, you can, well, your car, you technically, 42. your license is suspended. So, technically, you can't really drive the car. We'll go ahead and get your hair, man. Ahmad then reaches into his car, probably to get his keys, and walks away. But he comes back briefly because he forgot his cell phone. Then he jogs off. Shortly after that, the officer's lieutenant drives up and gets out of his car. Canego says he smells some burnt weed inside the car. The driver's side window is almost all the way up. He says Ahmad was allowed to go. And then Haney tells the lieutenant what he'd just done. I tried to tase him. You did try to tase him? Yeah. It got to the point where you had to tase well, him? Well, uh, I didn't realize he'd already patted him down for weapons. and he, I could see... There's like a wallet or something, yeah. and I can yeah. see him going like that, and he had a big heavy coat on, yeah. and he just wasn't moving fast enough. But Yeah, he was he was very agitated just for me being out here talking to him. But it's a little weird to see a car way out here. Yeah, he was, he's, he's agitated. Yeah. You got his name and birthday on Yeah. You ran him already? Yeah, I ran him. He was clean. He just, just, he's license is suspended. If you're going to do something with it, you're not. That's up to you. Yeah. I'm, I'm here to help you. 185 service. Will you put all that information into my CAD notes, please? LT, since he's no longer here, yep. and now I smell weed coming from the car, do we search that vehicle or just leave it be for now? You see the, you see the seeds? They're in plain view. Put in the call. I see what looks like marijuana, and I put my nose up to the open window right here. You see the seeds right now? It looks like it. Right in the uh, 
in the center console, that plastic wrapping. Does it look like seeds to you? I can't tell what it is. I wouldn't mess with it. Yeah. Canego seems to be looking for some reason to nail a mod to justify what happened. The lieutenant looks like he wants nothing to do with it. And by the way, when Canego read up what happened in his incident report, he said that Ahmad had, quote, slid his hands in his pockets, unquote, after Haney arrived. I don't think that's accurate. Canego also wrote that Ahmad, quote, did not take his hands out of his vehicle, unquote. I feel pretty sure he meant to write that Ahmad did not take his hands out of his pockets, not his vehicle. And Canego also wrote, quote, Therefore, Haney attempted to deploy his taser to protect himself, unquote. The way I see that video, that's also wrong. Like we said, Arbery had spread his hands out to his sides when Haney ordered him to take them out of his pockets, and before he pulled the trigger on his taser. Canego had been on the Glen County Police Force for about a year and a half when that happened, and he still works there. Haney retired in 2019, records show. We asked Wanda, Ahmad's mom, about the incident. Um, it doesn't surprise me. It is, it's not surprising. I mean, and if they would have tased him, then, then it, there was going to have to be a reason to, to tell another story and, and to build a case because he hadn't done anything wrong. So. We also reached out to Richard Hyde. He sits on the State Board of Public Safety. He's a longtime investigator. At one time, he ran crooked and wayward judges off the bench. And before that, for a decade, he patrolled the streets of Atlanta as a police officer. This escalated real fast, and you know, I blame the officer for that. This could have been handled completely differently, and it all could have been alleviated if he had, once he saw he was up and breathing and, and not drunk, okay, have a good day and leave. We interviewed Hyde as he watched the video. He ticked off numerous mistakes made by Canego. This includes letting Ahmad go into his car to get his ID without standing behind him to make sure what he was doing, and his own use of foul language. This is in the weeds, too, but the officer's language, you don't talk like that to a citizen. But you can't drop the F-bomb on a citizen just because they've said it to you. I know they do that on TV, but you don't, that was inappropriate. Hyde said the interaction between the officer and Ahmad could have, and should have, lasted no longer than one minute. Okay, I'm just rapping. I'm rapping in the park. It's 46 seconds in. I'm. I'm just. I, I see he's okay. By now, I've made a decision on whether he's impaired or not. Probably, or impaired enough for me to test. He's not. I don't know that I wouldn't have left right then. How you doing? You okay? Okay. Is your car broke down? No, I'm just sitting here rapping. Okay. Well, you have a good day. I probably would have left at 46 seconds in. As for Officer Haney's use of his taser. When the guy makes a sudden movement for the car and puts his hands where nobody can see him, probably could have pulled the taser out. But moments after that, just a millisecond after that, he stops walking towards the car and you can see his hands again. So that would not have been an appropriate use of force in my view. Hyde said Canego had been told Ahmad had a suspended license. He'd obviously driven to that spot in the park, so he could have been arrested or given a citation. Uh, they handled it terribly. If you're going to arrest somebody, arrest them. If you're just checking on their welfare, check on them and move on. 
yeah, the officers made a bunch of mistakes, but Aubrey didn't handle this way this well either. I understand getting getting pissed off when you feel like you're being harassed like that. I would have felt the same way. But when when you get out and you start cussing at the officer and make, making odd movements and all and acting so jumpy when you're just going to look through the windows, I would have been more suspicious. But I don't think I ever would have got that far when I walked up and said, you OK, I'm just checking on your welfare. Yeah, man, I'm just chilling. OK, have a good day. And you leave. I would have left then. This wouldn't have happened because I would have been doing something else. Finally, before we go, we need to let you know that Ahmad Arbery's killing is still impacting the law here in Georgia. Ahmad's death prompted the Georgia legislature last year to enact a new hate crimes law. The legislature is back in session this year, and Governor Brian Kemp, in his State of the State address, said he will introduce legislation to curtail Georgia's citizens' arrest law. Here's Kemp referring to Roddy Bryan's cell phone video. As you all know, on May 5th last year, a viral video shocked the world. The horrific killing of Ahmad Aubrey shook a Georgia community to its very core. And as I've said many times since that tragic day, people in every community across our state felt anger, disbelief, and a deep sorrow, but none more than Ahmad's family and his loved ones. Ahmad was a victim of vigilante style of violence that has no place in Georgia. That was strong language. The governor as judge and jury. Many in Georgia have little doubt that he's right, but we'll still have a trial to prove or disprove those allegations, a trial that has not yet been scheduled. On February 16th, Kemp followed through on his promise. Legislation to overhaul the citizens' arrest law was introduced with broad bipartisan support. At a press conference at the state capitol, Kemp once again used strong language about the invocation of the law and Ahmad's killing. And some tried to justify the actions of his killers by claiming they had the protection of an antiquated law that is ripe for abuse. That is why today my administration is introducing significant reforms to our state citizens arrest statute to close dangerous loopholes that could be used to justify future acts of vigilantism. The bill would completely repeal the Civil War era language of the law that allows all citizens to detain someone who commits a crime in their presence. It would also repeal the part that says if the alleged crime is a felony and the suspect is trying to flee, someone can detain that person upon reasonable and probable grounds of suspicion. That is exactly what the McMichaels and Bryan will try to rely on at trial, and they'll be able to do so because even if this bill passes and is signed into law, it cannot be applied retroactively. The proposed overhaul would allow owners and employees at businesses, such as restaurants and retail stores, to detain someone. That's if they have reasonable grounds to believe that person has committed shoplifting or some other theft type of crime but they must release the suspect if they don't contact law enforcement within an hour of holding them. Law enforcement officers, private investigators, security guards, and inspectors at truck way stations on the highway also have the right to detain suspected miscreants under this new overhaul. After Kemp's press conference, longtime Democratic lawmaker Calvin Smyrie of Columbus 
talked to my colleague Maya Prabhu about the legislation. He's a co-sponsor of it. I can honestly tell you that uh, uh, had not it been for Omar Alvarez killing, I don't think I'd be standing here talking to you today about citizen arrest. Sometimes, you know, when you're in a reflective mode, you look back and you say, how did that, how did we not do this earlier? And, and uh, to me, uh, uh, you know, you, you just have to continue. Next, on Breakdown, we'll take a look at the defense's attempts to get Ahmad's past scrapes with the law and his mental health issues into evidence at trial. Will they be able to do it? Thank you so much for listening to Breakdown. During this pandemic, practice social distancing, wear a mask, and get that vaccine as soon as possible. Until next time, I'm Bill Rankin. You've been listening to Breakdown, hosted by Bill Rankin, produced by Asia Simone Burns and Bill Rankin, edited by Jennifer Brett, music by Bo Emerson and Billy Ewan, sound design by Asia Simone Burns. Special thanks to Kevin Riley, Sean McIntosh, Leroy Chapman, and Pete Corson. Please rate and review us on iTunes or your favorite download app. We also invite you to listen to the previous seven seasons of Breakdown. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Constitution.